time. This is Elizabeth Chapin. And Lee. <laughs> and Lee. And we're going to try something different today, which doesn't mean we're going to always do this. No. Or even, you know, it may not even work out. Maybe. You may never hear this. You may never hear but this. we're going to have fun. And, and we may do it and then not keep doing it. But anyway, we're going to start. And I'm inspired by a podcast I listened to called The Salome Institute, I think. And I was told about this podcast from Kathy, Kathy, Kathy Sever, yeah. who's our resident six, we like to call her. And it is a psychoanalyst who talks about Jung. She talks about other things, but the we'll podcast, yeah, she talks about the Red Book, and then she has an astrologer on there that talks about it from a, kind of from a, a reading reading the chart of the times mm-hmm. during which Jung did wrote, did these writings. So they kind of just go through the book in a very book clubby sort of way and talk about it. And I thought it would be fun to do that with Naranjo because Naranjo's language is so dense and yeah. sometimes um, confusing or incomprehensible. And I thought Lee and I could just play. Basically. Attempt to comprehend in real time to some degree. Yeah, and it may be that we're having fun and it doesn't translate to a podcast, but we're just going to give it a whirl. Why so, not? Why not? Um, so... Right out of the gate, um, I wanted to start with the introduction by E.J. Gold, where on page, uh, I don't know what you would call X-I-I-I, Lee. And also, just in case this does work out, I encourage everyone to get the book. Yeah, let's tell the book that we're reading. (laughs) We're reading the book, Enneotype Structures, Self-Analysis for the Seeker by Claudio Naranjo. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... And, uh, so if you have the book or if you order it, um, then we can really go through it together, which I think will be so fun. We can do page numbers and stuff like that. Um, so on XIII, what does that even mean? XIII, Roman numerals. I don't know. It's Sunday afternoon. Okay. XIII, that's eight. Um, so he talks about, um... He says, Claudio has hit the bullseye when he roots his analysis in the grounding statement that all the enneotypes are variations of the human malaise of ontic obscuration, which translates as loss of being. So the reason I wanted to start there is Mm -hmm. because in every enneotype, he talks a lot about ontic obscuration, and it's this concept of of, of loss of being or existential loss or uh, losing yourself. Yeah. And I just wanted to... Um, so... Uh, Let's talk about ontic obstruction. Or say it again, ontic... Ontic, op, um, ontic obscuration. obscuration. So to, to obscure means to make not, not visible or plain. Mm-hmm. And so it's just his... his Fancy way of talking about how we lose ourselves. Yeah. Um, and in every type, he gets he really gets into the ways in which we lose ourselves. Yeah. And how we're kind of... He'll talk about this in the introduction, but how we are looking... We are set up to look for our being in the wrong place. Yes. And like 
intellectually somehow like in our minds we think we're going to find that part of ourselves but we're doing it the wrong way right that's right yeah um so uh let's see do you know what's funny i'll just let you know that yeah i totally skipped the introduction by ej gold and went straight to the uh forward <laughs> so i didn't well, want to read that part well well i mean it's very, it's very short yeah I'd say. it is very short um he goes on to say, if we understand the point at which a change in behavior begins to appear as a means of filling the sense of emptiness, mm-hmm. the vacuity of being, so kind of um, a vacuum of yourself, this inner loss of disguising the obscuration, when we have already begun to look at lifelong patterns of behavior in a different way and thus free ourselves a little from some of the weights which bind us to this planet, this simple and elegant concept provides a rare tool for seeing the etiology of neurosis, psychosis, blah, blah, blah. But it's kind of saying what you're saying is that we, early on in our lives, we sense this vacuum. Mm -hmm. And then the way in which we hide that is, as you were just saying, like we 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 look for it in the wrong place. Yeah. And we continue to do this throughout our life fixated on it Mm -hmm. yeah um so then to move on to naranjo and how he puts it um he he references nasruddin uh or mula which is a who is a 13th century sufi philosopher really good um and he he says an existential interpretation of neurosis, according to which the bottom line of all psychopathology is the loss of being. Um, I have called this the Nasruddin theory of neurosis in reference to the famous joke about the moolah, according to which he was on all fours looking for something in one of the alleys of the marketplace. A friend, as is well known, joined him in the search for what, as the moolah explained to him, was the very key to his house. Only after a long time had elapsed without bringing success did the friend think of asking him, Are you sure that you've lost it here? To which Nasruddin replied, No, I'm not sure I lost it at home. Then why are you looking for it here? There is much more light here, explained the moolah. The central idea underlying this book, then, is that we are looking for the key to our liberation, to our ultimate fulfillment, in the wrong place. And that this cognitive error is at the source of our dissatisfactions. So, um, I just wanted to, before we got into, I mean, we hadn't even gotten into hit the real, there's two introductions. So, that was just, before we dove in further, I I felt like we needed to to say a what ontic obscuration is and b that story about Nasruddin that we're looking in the wrong place. Well, and, and, and that we're programmed to. I I am appreciative, you know, that he also says the key obviously is the being that we're looking for our being. Um, yes. In the wrong place. Um, yeah, that's just so true. <laughs> yes. Very good. It's because of it. And you can kind of think of a light, which might be taking it too far, but the light being kind of what we know. You know, yeah. if we know the alley so of the light, is, yeah. 
that's just where we're going to keep looking because there is a certain amount of going into the dark and mm. kind of the pain of letting go of our um what we thought right what we believe so deeply and have habitually done for so long to let go of that and to fall into something different or to look in a new a new place can be really scary and painful because it feels dark or it yeah. can feel dark yeah I think yeah no I think that's good I think it's interesting to kind of unpack what it means to yeah, he's looking there because it was better light what do you mean? it's just easier mm-hmm. yeah um so then I wanted to skip over to actually page two um let's see I just want to make sure if there's anything else you want to cover I do think so mm. on XX yes <laughs> on XX Is that five or ten I don't know I think it's yeah. I don't know whatever I thought five was a V yeah. but um yeah I like right. this so he goes on in the second to last paragraph on XX mm-hmm. that page. Mm-hmm. Um, deficiency motivation. Yes. Um, that we are searching for abundance, which takes many forms, as the ruling passions that, according to this theory, theory constitute the lower emotional um, center. And we've talked a lot about lack mm-hmm. and how we are. Um, looking from a kind of like a deficient space so Mm. whether that's however we what we put on um early um that there's there is some emptiness he calls it deficiency motivation um which i think is interesting and then i i i don't know that i can unpack the rest of it but i think that is um deficiency motivation is an interesting term to me yeah about just how, regarding lack. Yeah, how we can. I guess it. I, I'm not even sure what it means, but I think that may, it's part of that being driven to continue to look in the wrong place and to maybe have the wrong beliefs about who we are. Yeah. Or about reality. Yeah. Um. But I'm sure that'll come up as we go through the lack of the types. Yeah. Um. So. At the top of page two, um, he says the broadest distinction in this body of fourth way psychology, which is what Naranjo was known for, was something called the fourth way, um, that I seek to outline is one between what Gurdjieff calls essence. Mm. And Suzanne uses the word essence a lot. um, And what he called personality. So essence and personality between the real being and the conditioned being with which we ordinarily identify. Where Gurdjieff spoke of personality, Ichazo spoke of ego, more in line with recent usage, mm-hmm. ego trip, ego death, ego transcendence, and so on. Um, so, um, and then he goes on to talk about kind of fixation Um, In reaction to pain and anxiety, the individual seeks to cope with a seeming emergency through a corresponding emergency response that, precisely in virtue of the perceived survival threat, becomes fixed, becomes a repetition compulsion, as Freud would call it. Yeah. 
This is a process that entails a loss of contact with all but the emergency foreground of experience, a dimming of consciousness, and at the same time an automization through which the person becomes to some extent a robot rather than a free agent in his life. Yeah, and so I think that's kind of how he's explaining when we put on our our personality mm-hmm. or um, ego mm-hmm. that there is... I wrote in the margin here where I think Father Ward talks about that reality is too much and that we get these woundings mm-hmm. early on. Yes. And, you know, this is kind of chicken before the egg, egg chicken right. piece where people are like, are you born your number? Do you become your number? Right. But that we can't, um, we can't just be this pure essence light. Right. We have to put on... Um, but it, that it comes from a wounding. Yes. Right? And that we, there's something about, I like the language, um, like automatization, mm-hmm. um, and that it is emergency. Like mm-hmm. in yourself, how, what is wounding you feels emergent. Yes. That you have to protect yourself to make your way through and how we talk about it being habitual and patterned, right. um, but that's intense, and yeah. I like that wording. Yeah, it's a strong, it's a yeah. strong word. Yeah. But I think it. I mean, compulsion. Just, just even before you came here, and I couldn't find the right chord, and right. I couldn't figure out the garage band thing, and I was just beating myself. It felt like an emergency. My whole stomach was upset, and I. So you know, I could unpack that as a four. Right. Like, but yeah, it felt. So I think there's things in all of us that yeah. are conditioned to have responses that are um, agitated, that are not where we don't need to be if we can detach from what's what's yeah. what our our how how we're responding to what's going on in the world. Um, but I, and I think using his language to me, like he's you know that it's a perceived survival threat. Mm. That there is there is something urgent and like survival yeah we kind of put this on Mm -hmm. which might sound silly but it to me it makes it makes me want to hold it even more tenderly Mm. about how hard it is to move move away from this response or to to just observe it when you when you feel like to some degree even if logically you can't don't say it out loud but it's what keeps you safe yes right yes but it's kind of how you make your way Mm -hmm. even if it's not getting you the, the safety or the to the space that you want to be, that that it is that hardwired in us from mm-hmm. early on, um, just makes it makes me want to hold it even more. Yes, tenderly for people doing doing this work, or why it can feel dark. Yes, to kind of move away. And I wanted mm-hmm. to. I wanted to read this from Jessa Reed, another one of my favorite podcasts, um, because I feel like we get into nature nurture so much, and Mm -hmm. um, I think this is a really succinct way to talk about it. Your oppression is not your fault. Stepping into your power is your responsibility. Mm. So I think that kind of covers it. So yes, we're all wounded. Yes, we're all automated in these emergency responses mm-hmm. that are not our fault. But we are responsible for shifting that. Yeah. What is, how does she put it? 
we stepping into your power, yeah. which I think is an interesting way to put it because I think we're probably convinced that we've already stepped into our power or that we have. Because we're it. protecting ourselves. Yeah. 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 So, so you know, you 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 can. So no one gets off the hook, and yeah. I think that's oh, good. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's see. Um, uh, then on the second paragraph on page three, um, in, so he says, though instinct theory has gone out of fashion in psychoanalytic circles since the rise of ethology, which I don't even know what that is, the present psychological theory acknowledges the pervasive, pervasiveness of three goals in human behavior, survival, mm-hmm. pleasure, and relationships, and which so are which are the instincts. So I, I wanted to read that because, you know, you and I have been going going round and round on this instinct stuff, mm-hmm. and that's I mean maybe that doesn't cover everything, but it kind of is very succinct about mm-hmm. being focused on survival, self pressed self pressed being focused on pleasure, sexual, sexual. being focused on relationships, social. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it also makes me feel a little bit of shame that I'm like a sexual person focused on pleasure <laughs> and probably because I just rationalize looking at like going for juice and intensity is not about going for pleasure you know I've talked myself into as a four that I, there's some you know deep authenticity there yeah. Yeah. but ultimately it is just this kind of form of it is a form of pleasure to you yeah it's yeah. pleasurable to me I find pleasure in it yeah in the intensity in yes what you're Yes. What you're after. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Um, well, and he does, he goes on to talk about how there's an imbalance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, on page four at the bottom, he says, while in personality instinct is bound through the operation of the passions, in essence, or more exactly speaking, in the essential mode, instinct is free. So I feel like that's a way of talking about how when you're in your number or you're in your personality, then your instinct sort of rules you. You Mm -hmm. kind of don't even, you're not free. You think you're free, but you're not free. And if you're, the more in essence you are, the, which is the more in some ways, uh, egoless you are, um, you, you actually become free of, you, you can make, you can choose how you respond to your instincts. You can manage it. You can be, you know, there's a freedom there. You're, you're not roped to it. Mm-hmm. I was, um, and it's interesting, I, I don't know, but I would think in some spiritual practices or circles that it would be, there would be something to just let go of your instincts, right? To just, that mm-hmm. those three, right, mm-hmm. of survival, pleasure, relationships, that maybe, um, that as you grow, as you move more towards your self, true self, essence, what have you, that maybe those would fall away. Mm-hmm. But I, one of the things I love about the Enneagram and, and reading that is that it's almost 
instead of what what happens is your passion, your you know what has ruled you gets freed up, and mm-hmm. the instincts get freed up mm-hmm. for virtue and this kind of goodness that you have to give versus yes. um, out of this kind of painful woundedness that is habitual and asleep and you know all the different ways we talk about it yeah um that and, and you know Suzanne talks about the worst part of you being the best part of you it's kind of that whole piece that mm-hmm. when you when you do this work of moving inward you still have all of those pieces mm-hmm. but you're just more aware mm-hmm. and they um connect in different ways I yeah think. and I, I love that i love that i like that it's there's, there's a democracy in all of it. Yeah. Like there's nothing that, there's no shame. There's no parts that need to be whisked away out. or cut out. Yeah. Like everything that is part of who you are is needed. It's just that it's, it's, it's just that it's how, how it finds its balance in you mm-hmm. or how you, how you, um, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a, an illustration on the next page, which is page Five, figure one. Yes. Right. And so if you were, if you have a piece of paper and a pen, you can draw a circle and inside the circle put holy ideas. At the top of the page. At the top of the page. And next to that have higher intellectual center. And under that circle is virtues inside that circle. Higher feeling center next to that. Under that circle Inside that circle, you have all three instincts in the little circles inside the circle. I don't know if this is making any sense. I think so. Think about, instead of doing it that way, draw five circles. Yeah, I like Like in a... You're better. In a column. Yes. So there are five circles in a column. The top circle is holy ideas. The, The second circle going down the page is virtues. The third circle, within the third circle, there are three little circles of Mm -hmm. the instincts, right? So preservation, sexual, and social. Fourth, going down, passions. Mm -hmm. And then the fifth circle, fixations. And then connected to each of the circles are um, kind of these centers. Mm -hmm. So next to holy ideas is the higher intellectual center. So that's kind of at the top of your essence. Um, next to virtues, higher feeling center, next to the instincts, obviously instinctive center, next to passions, lower feeling center, and next to fixations, lower intellectual center. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of groups, there's an overlap. So you could, you could basically, you could draw, um, a circle around the top two layers or the top three layers and that would be essence and then you could draw a circle around the bottom three layers and that would be personality and the instinct center is that in between the one yes. where the circles would overlap yes. right so they it kind of belongs in both and the way Russ Hudson talks about that is that so this instinct center, which belongs to both essence and personality, are the the three. You know, they're ju- they're just what we have to work with, and they're mm-hmm. always there. And that um, that um, how does that 
he calls it, he, or I've never heard anybody say this. I thought it was so interesting. So the transformation of the body is what, how he talks about instincts Mm -hmm. as the patterns of the body and the transformation of the body. And that those are just constant, but, but that, but you're called to work with them. And then the number two, the transformation of the mind, um, holy ideas are the letting go of the structures of the mind. So the fixations, which are, mm. are at the bottom of the page, are the wrong views of reality that you formed in childhood. Yeah. Which Jessa Reed said are not your fault, but are your responsibility. So the transformation of your fixations become your holy ideas. Mm-hmm. And that represents the transformation of the mind. And then number three, the virtues represent the transformation of the heart um and so the passions are uh not not the wrong views of you know wrong views of reality formed in childhood but they're they are this i mean i guess it's maybe not democratic necessarily in that i think like unruled passions are not necessarily great great right if passions run rampant are not great but they are required you don't you don't get rid of them you what you transform them into virtue Mm -hmm. and so that's just a process and we did do a virtue podcast earlier yeah um based on all this Russ Hudson work which is so good um, but I just feel like the more I study the more I realize these triads are within everything you know it's this so I didn't realize, um, I mean, I realized the stance triad and I realized the, um, the, you know, heart, body, mm-hmm, mind triad, triad. Mm-hmm. but I didn't realize this whole, um, this, this is just another one that's nestled within that, um, the, the instincts, the holy ideas and the virtues. So, um, I like yeah. that. I like it. He said, and yeah, he says, though in the figure, which we just did our best to describe, it's job. really not a complicated figure. No. It doesn't need all the circles. It's no. just these layers. Okay. I can take a picture of it and put it on our website. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> though in the figure, instinct appears as belonging to both essence and personality, its functioning is different in either case. While in personality, instinct is bound through the operation of the passions. Mm-hmm. In essence, or more exactly speaking, he says, in the essential mode, which is also cool language, mm-hmm. instinct is free. Right. Um, right. Which is so essential. So in your essence, um, I mean, it's hard for me to even even imagine that in some ways, right? Yeah. I, mean, I just such small glimpses of mm-hmm. letting my instinct be unencumbered by my personality. Yes. But it's hard to even, it can be hard to even imagine what that looks like. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, but I also like in the essential mode is what he called essence. So when you're operating from your essence, essential. And maybe it's just that you have a clear understanding mm-hmm. of what, what it is that's essential. Yeah, right? yeah. You're able to put down all those emergency responses mm-hmm. and all the, you know, I think you know it when you're doing it. You yeah, feel it. You when feel you, it. It's, yeah. it's usually brief for me. 
Yeah, it's, it's usually brief for me too. I'm not there often. Um, okay. Um, so on page seven, um, under that figure, which is just the classic figure of the Enneagram, um, he says the Enneagram is a map through which the structure of each of the five personality realms. And when he says that, he's talking about those circles we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. So um, the five personality realms are, are holy ideas, virtues, instincts, passions, fixations. Those are the Our five mm -hmm. personality realms. So the Enneagram is a map through which the structure of each of those five personality realms centers. Mentioned thus far, um, those are the, yeah, so those are the three instincts, those are the passions, and those are the fixations. Beyond personality, it is also the map and model for the two additional essence centers that, according to tradition, is possible to develop through intentional striving and conscious suffering. Mm. Inspection of the Enneagram of the Passions in Figure 3 shows that three of them occupy a position more central than the others because of the symbolism of the Enneagram, according to which the different points Along it correspond to degrees and intervals in the musical scale, oh. which is a whole other layer. Psycho-spiritual laziness at the top stands as the most basic of all being, as it were, the do of the passions. The, the, the capital do, do of the passions. <laughs> um, so, I know, it's interesting that, so, psycho-spiritual laziness, the do of the passions is at the top. Um, then we get into that primary triangle, right, of three, yeah. six, nine. And he, now I've never heard this either. So he's looking at the primary triangle and he is talking about if you take with nine at the top mm -hmm. and you slide down the right side of that primary triangle to six, to, to, to three, three. Mm -hmm. that everything on that, on that side of that triangle is a um, is a degree along the musical scale, as he says, of indolence mm -hmm. or psychospiritual laziness. So nine at the top, indolence, psychospiritual laziness, that everything on that side, including three, mm -hmm. participates in it, mm -hmm. um, uh, is a is on the scale of that psychospiritual laziness. And then likewise, Three also participates, and everything at the bottom participates in uh, a, a range of that vanity of the three, right? Yeah. And then, and then you go along to six, and everything on the left side of the enneagram, six, seven, eight, nine, are participating in a scale of thought, um, or or what a fear, fear, fear. Mm -hmm. Sorry, fear, and. Um, and so I think that's super interesting that the that a y'all are this primary triangle, right? And that you are having these multiple participations. You are somehow participating in the fear on the left side of your point, and you're participating in indolence on the right side of your point. Mm -hmm. um, that's think, wacky. Well, I think it's all of us. So I think that's what he's saying. Not just me, but all of us are doing this. Right, right. but you, but the three six nine is Triangle. unique in yes. that you're participating in two different ones. So I underlined on page nine that second full paragraph. Uh huh. 
And he says, if we yes. read this psychodynamic sequence, what you were just talking about, starting at the top, we may say that a lack of, a, of the sense of being, the implicit in the robotization of sloth, so <laughs> oh robotization gosh. of sloth, deprives the individual of a basis from which to act and thus leads to fear. So they're kind of going the opposite way. Mm -hmm. So since we must act in the world, however, much as we fear it, we feel prompted to solve this contradicting contradiction by acting from a false self rather than courageously being who we are. And that's the part... So that's all of us do that, right? That yes. to some degree, so that that we kind of get caught up in the fear. We and this is the aha or the center of that would mm -hmm. be the nine, the six, and the three. Mm -hmm. You know, just obviously putting on the false self. Mm -hmm. We then build a mask between ourselves and the world. We identify with it, and vanity that's thus arises. So there's your kind of energy mm -hmm. to the extent that we identify with our mask however we forget who we truly are we perpetuate the ontic obscuration so we don't get any closer to our being in turn support fear and so on and it's that vicious circle yes. and we've talked about that how did we talk about it? Like the catch 22, but you know, we think we're up to something yeah, and it's never going to get us what we want. Yeah, yeah. Right. That it's this, but that's, I think that's a, a great way to just talk about. And I think what he's saying with the scale is there are degrees to which the numbers that are not nine kind of six and three that are kind of pure about the fear, the indolence, the vanity, that there are layers of that. You're caught up in the same cycle yeah. of, um, it's funny how we choose fear over, I don't know. <laughs> like that's just an interesting, yeah. right away we choose. Um, because, because at the top of it all is that sloth. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just to, it's more painful, I suppose, to dig in. Or we've decided it's more painful we've to dig in. decided it's more painful to dig in. Vicious yeah. um, circle. Vicious. Yeah. Um, let's see. Is there anything else I wanted to cover in the intro? Oh, yeah. Um, um, I mean, he kind of talks on page 10, just that, you know, that anger, gluttony, lust. Do you, should I read that? That it's not, but I feel like we've covered this, but maybe, maybe. See. I think, I think he talks through it nicely though. So seeing for instance, in anger, a more, he's talking about sin. Yes. Right? We're he's talking about the passions, the passions and sin as mm -hmm. kind of these, um, as we, Lee and I try to talk about them as not these necessarily the way we think of them so mm -hmm. seeing for instance in anger a more inward and basic standing against reality than, than explosive irritation mm -hmm. seeing lust as more than an inclination to sex and pleasure a pat but rather like more a passion for excess or an excessive passionateness <laughs> which i think is nice excessive passionateness i don't to, think i've ever seen that word written I love that. Right. to which sexual satisfaction is only one possible source of gratification 
Likewise, gluttony will be here understood, not in its narrow sense of a passion for food or drink, but in the wider sense of a hedonistic bias and an insatiable desire for more. Mm-hmm. Avarice, too, may or may not include money hoarding and will designate a fearful and greedy holding on or a more generalized nature, a withdrawn alternative to the outreaching attachment of lust, gluttony, envy, and other emotions. So, anyway, just that nuance that we try to talk about. you have anything else you want to say in the intro? Um, Well, I do think it's interesting. He goes through, I mean, I, I have not spent enough time with it, where he... So the fixations are more from a Ichazo. Mm-hmm. And then that's on figure four yeah. on page 11. But he, in between pages, getting to figure five, he kind of renames, renames him them. as the chief features, which we do you want to just, hear a lot Do about. you want to just go through those? Yeah. So, so... We'll start with type 9 at the top. Sure. So, Echazo's fixation is indolence, which we've just called it. And then the chief fixation via Naranjo is self-forgetting. Hmm. Um, and, I mean, I think those are different. Like, to me, they feel like they get at different parts of what's yeah. going on in me. Yeah. Like, I like having both of those terms. Um and he talks about, I mean, this kind of, you don't want to over adapt to some of the words that are out there because they kind of miss, miss a layer of the kind of psychological complexity and spiritual complexity of what's happening in people. Right. Um, so I kind of like, I like that. Yeah. And then for one, it's resentment versus perfectionism. Um, I just always want to think my, my friend Penny would say, doing it right, not perfection. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then flattery for two versus false love. I mean, I wow. think that is powerful. That is powerful. Right? That's a really different... Um, false love. Yeah. Really kind of gets into that manipulation piece of it or even just um, even just that... Flying, triangle sliding we were just talking about of just kind of being convinced of the being convinced of that you know that kind of vanity piece of being convinced of right the love you're you know convincing yourself that that image love is real love that the image of loving is real loving right that what it feels like to be loved or to imagine it is not it's is, not what it is, is not what it is yeah, yeah. so I I, I like, like it that a lot. I like false love um, and then for type 3 vanity versus um, deception mm-hmm. we've talked about both of those mm-hmm. Let's really good at different things yes for you type 4 <laughs> melancholy and dissatisfaction I, I love I love that because both um, of those are great they're so related too so um you get attached to your, you get attached to both. You get attached to your melancholy and your dissatisfaction. and They feed each other. They feed each other and, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's just a mess. Mm-hmm. Five, stinginess 
this uh, chazo fixation. And then detachment is um, the type five for, from Naranjo's perspective of a chief feature. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a good one to remind us when we were talking about earlier about how you don't have to cut things out, how mm-hmm. part of the gift that fives can offer mm-hmm. is their detachment, but man, we don't, we miss them completely because yeah. they are detached. Yeah. Um, yes. That's a really, um, and, and I guess, you know, the other thing would be for like type nine, same thing. Self-forgetting can be really lovely because it does, it allows me to love in a grander way, yeah. right? And or in a more connected way. And it keeps me from loving to even connect, right? That if, right. if I totally self-forget, then I'm not, I'm not, I don't even show up. Right. Uh, and then type six, cowardice, which is intense. Cowardice versus accusation. I mean, those have very different yeah, flavors, I, I right? Yeah, I I wish I had Kathy here to talk about that. Yes. Um, um, I think part of it is their sense of knowing, wanting to know they're right to keep them safe. Yes. You know, that, that's part of the accusation piece, I think. And always, um, I feel like Suzanne used to talk about authority with sixes and that kind of either pushing against authority or um, or looking to it. And I'm wondering if accusation is a piece of like, somebody's accountable, right? Somebody is accountable. Right. And so you need to find, if you can get the accountability off yourself, yeah. then you're going to feel more safe. And um, And he talks about it just briefly, um, though cowardice does entail a meaning of quote-unquote fear in the face of fear, I have preferred to regard accusation, especially self-accusation, as a central cognitive problem of the type six, which he elaborates on. And I think that kind of goes to how we talk about um, not trusting their own experience in a way, right? That there is a they're so critical of their own right. trusting themselves. And I feel my experience with sixes often is is that there there is that they're probably underlying everything is that self accusation. Mm-hmm. But often what you experience is is them trying to get that self accusation off, of off of them and so yes. they're accusing you or they're accusing somebody. And kind of like a one, you mm-hmm. know, who has so much self-criticism, but mm-hmm. what's your experience from mm-hmm. from them is not, it's not, you're not, you don't experience that as so much as the, the, uh, what am I trying to say, the product of yeah. all, of stewing and self-criticism is criticism yeah. of, of everything around you. Because it's just, it's off-gassing. Yeah. You're off-gassing. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, seven... Which I like this. Yeah. Planning. Which this I like. Fixation. I think that's I think really good. I think it gets super it accurate. Completely different. Yeah. And then uh, Naranjo says chief feature is fraudulence. Whoa. I mean, ow. Ouch. And when we get into the chapters, we'll talk about that because charlatanism is yeah. one of the words he uses for sevens, yeah. which is intense, but. And planning kind of can get underneath it, I think, to a degree of that's where a seven can live their life mm-hmm. and think life is, is in the planning. That's right. And right. so if that's where you're living your life, then there is an innately some charlatanism right. in that. Yeah. Right. Interesting. And then eight, vengeance, which we've heard. Dun, 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 dun. And then 
the chief feature, punitiveness. Very interesting. Yes, yes. Um, and it's, I mean, you know, to me, punitiveness feels similar to accusation, but I guess it's a little more intense. It's a little more, um, it's not, it goes beyond accusing and into actual puni- punishment. Yeah. It's not just pointing a finger, it's like bringing down the, the, ha- the hammer. And he says it's not, it's not that just that they're, you know, kind of lusty, that kind of piece of them, um, that it's not just that, but it gets into their, that they can be hard and dominant um, and bring in, in their lustiness kind of a, um, I th- we talk about them like blinders, the blinders that they have on yeah. when they are marching forward. Mm-hmm. If they're not aware, um, they just take their power and launch on through folks. Um, so, and it can be, be hard and dominating. Yeah. For others. Yeah. Yeah. Um, those blinders are on. The last paragraph of the intro is, says, I will only add to this theory at this point the contention that wherever being may seem to be, it is not. And that mm-hmm. being can only be found in the most unlikely place, or rather in the most unlikely manner, through the acceptance of non-being in a journey through emptiness. So that's just kind of another way of talking about that Nazardine thing and how we're looking for ourselves in the wrong place. And and I think it's interesting that he says we're looking for our, ourselves in the light. <laughs> you know, uh, it just, feels that's so sort true. of fresh. That's yeah. a fresh take on it. Because yeah. I think, um, so it's... the. Like you said, we're, we're, we're going to have to... It's going to be in a surprising place. It's going to be not where we think it is. And it's going to be a little bit in the dark. And the paradox... Or a lot in the dark. ...being that... I mean, it's so hard for me. Um, I am convinced in my body that if I find peace, I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Like, it is so hardwired in me. And so it's... So, it's so hard for me to want to look for it elsewhere. Yeah. Because I, I can just feel it or bring it yeah. in. You know, like I just, I don't know why, you know, if I'm, why I would want something else. <laughs> right. Because right. I've just been longing for it for so long. Well, I think it's like. And that it's so hard to imagine. Well, I think um, it, I think the thing is, is you can't look for peace in peace. Right. So where is it that. Peace, like peace is not going to be found in the obvious pursuit of peace. It's yeah. going to be found somewhere else that doesn't look or feel like peace. Yeah. And that's that's and, the rub. And I wrote on on this page, on page 18, Russ Hudson, at some point I heard him talk about that um, we have abandoned all of the, you know, eight other qualities of this <laughs> space. Mm-hmm to hold on to the one, yeah, right? That that's part of what we've done. You know, I've decided I'm going to get what I want, that the place I'm looking where I'm kneeling down mm-hmm. with my, looking for my key is on the peace train. Yes. And really when you do, do some work, you know, when I start kind of balancing my instincts, when I um, 
lean into head and heart and my feelings and right. that there's a little bit of all of those other ways that you know yes. the map of the Enneagram that gets me there yes um, and that's not to say I'm all of those other numbers but it is that I've that there are all of these ways of being and I am clinging to mine yes and not getting the full picture right right that that's kind of what we're all doing yes. but then when we kind of lean into the fullness of all of the triads you know all right. of the different triads when we try to find some balance mm-hmm. then ultimately I can have a little lustiness you know I mm-hmm. can kind of move into um, the, the other kind of virtues and spaces on right. the Enneagram right you know because I've my ego I get to bring some peace mm-hmm. but it's not it's not the only thing at the party right, right. like I'm really enjoying lately just the the whole um, the rub the three four rub that I experience mm. with my daughter because mm-hmm. her gift of adaptability has always been my what I hate or I mean that's strong but three's adaptability has been something I've judged because it, judging their adaptability allows me to be on my like you're saying my quest for mm-hmm. authenticity so you're on the peace train I'm yeah. on this authenticity train and I can be blind to how um, Albel's adapting to other people is a way of being authentic yeah. you know or it's that freeing I think that he's talking about when you balance things out that this energy gets freed in us yeah. and, and when I don't need to um, or when I can see like the gift of maybe emptying myself enough to realize that my preferences, my opinion about it, my being uncomfortable with it, that all of that can just lay down and mm-hmm. I don't have to expound upon it. And that expounding somehow doesn't, you know, that is does not make me special. It actually just makes me annoying, you know. So all that just feels like, I mean, I wouldn't have known that that's where I was going to need to look maybe the hint was that I was super annoyed by it. So, like, right. may, maybe for all of us, like, yeah. what really annoys you? What do you Almost judge? always is where And then, like, it. you got a rat around in there. There's some little ratty lesson there that oh. you're not going to like exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a, then it ends up being a blessing with a lot of air. Yeah. It puts air in your body once you've been humbled by it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I think that I think we'll that's stop good. there. We we did the intro, <laughs> and that's um, that's cool. That's my, cool. My hope is that in doing this on a podcast, that we can kind of help people see the the great value in Naranjo, and that we can all kind of walk through it together. Yeah, and um, just some different language. Like I, you know, quite honestly, initially. You pulled this book out in Vermont, and you were so excited to read it to me, and I was like, oh, okay. Like, it was, felt like a lot. <laughs> and so it's been, it's good to stick with it, though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, the language is so different. You know, just even looking um, on page 18, that he says what he's doing in this book is examining each character, each type, the metaphysical mistakes or illusions, mm-hmm. in parentheses, confusion about being, 
that perpetuate the ego identification. Yes. You know, that perpetuate us looking in the wrong place, in the wrong place, in the wrong place. Yes. And I love, I I love, love that. that language that helps me. Um, I, I always think like trying on language or different images is part of um, kind of my self-observation mm. tool. Yes. Right? So if I, if I can stop myself and think, why are you looking here, Lee? You yeah. know, like if I can ask myself that, that's another kind of way. Very concise and very like, probably what I like about it is talk about texture. Yeah. Textured, concise language. And yeah. I, I, I. But you have to have your dictionary out. To yeah. And I, I forgot it. to put our dictionary in there. What you thought. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. It's not. Yes. You know, that, that actually the, those pieces of you can be transformed, you know, with the ideas and virtues um, yeah, you can't, versus just lopping it off. You can't lop it off. The yeah, lo- that's and, not the in point. Fact, in fact, I would say in trying to lop it off, you just get back on the You're hamster just wheel. you in your ego. Yeah, yeah and you, you just get back on the hamster wheel of all yeah. that stuff. Like if I try to lop off my shadow, then I just... I just add an extra layer of shame and then I'm back on my four shame wheel. So that's just dumb. Yes. It doesn't work. Um, it's much more creative process than that. It requires a lot more of us yeah. than that. So Yeah. Anyway, thanks and um, we welcome feedback and uh, 